It's Wednesday, February 20th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services. I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. We are privileged to be joined by Nadia Reese, and Nadia is a native of Atlanta and has just been committed to advocating for meaningful and creative learning experience for all young learners. Nadia has been an educator for six years, and five of those were in service uh, to local refugee and immigrant families in Clarkston and neighboring communities. Since 2012, Nadia has been investing and and a servant leader at Renovation Church, where she currently volunteers as a foster care and adoption advocate. She has a bachelor's in sociology and early childhood education and a master's in creative and innovative education. Uh, She's the third of eight children, and she's currently a full-time second grade teacher. And so we are just grateful to have Nadia Reese here from Renovation Church and for so many different impacts that she is making in Atlanta. So Nadia, even with that bio and that introduction, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I um, grew up born and raised in Atlanta, East Atlanta. And so um, I'm the third oldest of eight kiddos. So we have a little tribe um, down here, <laughs> a lot of siblings. Um, and I'm a product of Atlanta Public Schools. And so immediately after me finishing school here, I went to Worcester, Ohio, which is, oh my goodness, so different from city life in the middle of a whole bunch of cornfields. <laughs> um, went to uh, the College of Worcester um, there. And I think one of the interesting things is that one of the things that I did for fun when I was up there was I can go to Walmart and just go up and down the aisles and just enjoy each other's company. And then we would find other random things um, to get into to be little nuisances while we were up there. Um, but I really enjoyed spending those three years and 10 months in one of the coldest climates I've ever, ever endured. So I survived it. And I was happy to go right, come right back down to Atlanta to enjoy our warmer, less harsh winters and everything like that. Um, and I came back and I actually worked for Posse Atlanta. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's a um, nonprofit um, organization that provides youth development, youth development, and they provide full-time tuition scholarships to some of the top um, 100 universities and colleges in the world. So I, you know, stayed on board with them for two years, but my heart was in the classroom, of course. And so um, I decided to leave there and get right back into the classroom where I served for the past five years um, in Clarkston, um, Georgia. Well, specifically Decatur, Georgia, but most of our kiddos were from the Clarkston area um, in Decatur. And we served the refugee immigrant community there. And mm-hmm. then I, after five years of service with those um beautiful kiddos and their families, I transitioned to South Fulton to work at the current school that I'm at right now. And obviously, outside of just working with the refugee and immigrant populations in Clarkson and Decatur, you also are very active at at Renovation Church. And I know the Lord is, is doing so many great things through Renovation Church there in Atlanta. Tell us more about what you, your specific role at Renovation. Yes, so um, I actually started serving as the um, as a servant leader in the classroom. So just more so facilitating or teaching in the classroom, kind of like a Sunday school situation on my second Sunday there. And then soon after, I was able to get into a more leadership um, position. So I was a team leader. Then, of course, I transitioned into a co-director or director role where I over um, saw about 70 different um, ambassadors, as we call them, our volunteers, um, who were actually going into the classroom to facilitate learning opportunities and um, share who Jesus was with our little people. Um, mm. And after four, half, four and a half-ish years serving in that capacity, 
um, you know, a little rest that was needed. And so I took a break from that and I actually randomly started serving in sound and um, with the soundboard and everything. So I helped with the Indian monitors and things like that, which was really interesting. Um, and that was short lived too, because of course, um, one of my friends who were actually on staff there, she asked if I would be willing to serve in the foster care and adoption ministry. And immediately I was super excited about it because I've always had a heart to work with little people. And of course, working with them in this capacity was going to be a little bit different from what I was used to doing, of course. But I was really excited to jump in and she guided me and facilitated the process along the way for me to be able to take on full board. Mm -hmm. So right now, I my role in my church as an ambassador is the foster care and adoption advocate. And we partner with Promise 686 and they provide all the training and the tools and the supplies that we need to be able to support um, our foster and adoptive families with fidelity and love them as best as we possibly can. And for this specific role that you serve in as an ambassador at Renovation Church, just how did the Lord prepare you uh, for that specific area of ministry? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that he's been stirring in my heart just the, my passion for working with youth just in general since I was a kid. Originally, I thought I was supposed to be a librarian because I love to read books. And so I thought that librarians just get around and read books all day. And soon I found out that that is not what librarians do. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna dress like Phil and Lil's mom from the Rugrats. I'm gonna have them comfortable clothes, go to the library, read some books, share books with people. It's gonna be awesome. And then when I learned what that job entailed, I was like, you know what, actually let me shift some gears a little bit. And so. Since I was around like seven or eight years old, I wanted to be a teacher. I played school with my siblings, and I would be their principal and their teacher, and I would retain them and give them a part card and all that good stuff. And um, so I've always served primarily on the academic side, but of course, teachers serve multi roles in the classroom, right? We're counselor, social worker, mom, dad, all those different roles and everything. And so I think that me working in the context that I have worked in over the past formerly six years, but of course, over the past decade, um, has prepared me to be able to shift gears. And of course, I think that my role in Renovation Church, serving as a team leader and as a co-director of the, the Renovation Kids Ministry Team, really like prepared me to be able to see um, like a breadth of diversity in kids, right? So mm -hmm. now little people um, with the diversity in SES and race and culture and like learning modalities and all that good stuff. Um, kiddos who are in the foster um, system, right? Kids who have been adopted. So having that exposure in the context that I was in and then be able to come back outside of that and serve in a leadership role to be able to prepare and equip people to go and serve those kiddos, I think um, was a really great opportunity and a great experience. And I'm still learning, which is great as well, right? So I don't have <laughs> all the knowledge. I'm not a gatekeeper of knowledge, but I did um, most recently get a team of like five really enthusiastic individuals who are going to be coming alongside me as we try to figure out the best ways to make sure our ministry does exactly what it needs to do as we answer the call that God has given all of us, right? As he's right. the lonely and families and so. Um, it's a long process, but we're like, he's been so generous. We've actually mm. been able to launch two care communities over the past few months and everything. And I actually did that independently, but like he sent five people just this past week to just jump in and help out. And I'm thinking that we should have a really fruitful 2019 mm. over the next three quarters. So we'll see what he has in mind and we'll be praying prayerfully considering how it is that we need to be obedient and step into what, he <laughs> is, what it is that he will have us to do. Amen. Well, I know Renovation Church has been just a, really a, a, one of the many beacons in Atlanta that, that has brought many different people from many different cultures and walks of life together. And the beautiful thing about Renovation Church is 
it's not just bringing them together in the congregation, but on the leadership team and on mm -hmm. the ambassadors. Uh, you have so many different people that are coming from different places and mm -hmm. truly uniting around the gospel of Christ. And um, in that, you know, it's also a church that has, has been uh, supportive of foster and adopted families. So as mm -hmm. you're supporting and wrapping around foster and adopted families, what are some of the similarities and differences of how you support a foster family and how you support an adopted family that's there at renovation? Mm -hmm. um, so um, in my personal role, like I'm still in the learning curve, but like we, like you said, we've been blessed to have such a diverse group of people, um, such a transcultural group of people in our community, right? And so they have served in a ton of different um, capacities um, within the state of Georgia in those different institutions, private and the public institutions of foster care and on adoption. So the main function that we um, serve in our partnership with Promise 686 is to provide care communities. And so in those care communities, they function out of four primary roles. The ambassadors function in four different roles. A team leader who's gonna oversee the care communities. Um, they're gonna be in direct communication with myself and my team. And then there's a child mentor. Um, there's someone who's gonna serve in respite care. And then there's also a family helper. And a family helper, that person is responsible for helping out with meals every week, transportation, and any other really creative um, and um, specific roles that the actual family would need them to fill in. And that could be something as simple as coming over with their child to do a play date or something like that, right? So it's specific mm -hmm. to and tailored to the needs of the family. And that is something that is typical for a foster family and an adoptive family, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be unique to them and what it is that they need. But those roles, of course, are going to be consistent. And the only one that, of course, like as I shared, would be the most flexible would be that family helper role. And so um, as a family helper, if there is a, a foster or adoptive family, whatever it is they prescribe they need, what we'll do is we'll come alongside and make sure that we are able to do as much as we can to meet that need, to be able to carry that burden with them. Yeah, and what a what a beautiful system to truly enable to the body of Christ to these four very specific roles and, and roles by which you're allowing folks to use their natural gifts and abilities. And, and in that, uh, obviously, we know that it, as you partner with other organizations and specifically with the state and foster care, uh, but mm -hmm. why is it so important that it's not just organizations like Promise 686 or Lifeline or nonprofit organizations, but it is the church that supports these families. Why is it so important that the church body be the, be the, the care for families and children in their communities? I think the, like, the simple and only um, like important piece there is that God requires us to do so, right? And so mm. if he's requiring us to do so, and if we say that we know him and we love him, we should be obedient to his call to make sure that we're caring for the most vulnerable um, people in our society, right? And that includes right. our little ones who may be in foster care, that includes kiddos who need to be adopted. It also includes being able to serve if we possibly can serve alongside those families who have actually lost their children to the system for whatever reasons that may, you know, be abandonment or, you know, just not being able to meet those needs due to whatever their um, situations are. But, you know, some 686, which is what Thomas, you know, is founded off mm. of, like God says, and I mean, families. And of course, you also have some 3189, you want to rescue the weak and the needy, Isaiah 117, you got to bring justice to the fatherless and more, right? So when God is requiring us to do these things, we need to make sure we're answering the call and we are obedient to that. Which is Amen. Amen. Well, I, I know a lot of times when we have 
foster and adoptive families and, and we're really trying to support them and wrap around them, a lot of times it's hard to even know how to support them. And, and I know that, that mm-hmm. you guys have a great uh, system by which to come alongside of them, but how, how do you go about asking the right questions to these families? How do you, how do you go about really figuring out what the, the biggest needs for these foster and adoptive families are so that you can then meet them with practical care practical help and prayer and support yeah so i think one of the biggest things is before we actually jump in to support those families we need to actually figure out who our supporters are right and so um one of the things that i think is really important is to make sure that we kind of um address some of the different misconceptions right because we have a lot of people who have a need but more specifically as we're talking about the foster um and adoptive families there may be a family who wants to foster or adopt that may be financially stable, right? They may have a, be a part of the upper, you know, class or upper middle class, whatever that may be. And so mo- some people may actually think like, oh, they don't need any help from me. What can I possibly mm. offer to them? I actually make less money than they do. I'm a single person. I have all these different things going on. And so I think the first thing is to make sure we dispel some of the different misconceptions that surround foster care and adoption, right? Just yes. to make sure that people know that one, God has given us a call to actually serve right and if we're not going to be doing the fostering or the adopting making sure that we're partnering and coming alongside those families who feel like god has called them to specifically do that and then also just understanding that not only families that are fostering and adopting but single people can do it too right god doesn't say Mm. if you are a family unit you need to go foster and you need to adopt all people who love him and know him know his name need to make sure they're you know following that call and so making sure that single people feel like they are invited into this process as well, despite the fact that they may not have a significant other to share that burden with. The church and the care communities that we are creating are going to be the support that they need, right? And so I think um, in the model at our church, church starting off with finding who they want to come in partnership with in the community. So for us, we chose kind of six, eight cents. And then we need to explain to the members of our congregation or any of those who may be outside of that context in our communities what a care community is and why it is that we actually want to come alongside and help out. Um, and then we actually have to share some testimonials, like, right, because it seems kind of foreign, like, why would you want to help me? What are you getting out of this? But just share, like, hey, this is a call that God has given me. We're being obedient to it. These are how, this is how other families have actually benefited from or have actually enjoyed the care communities. And then once that is happening, you put the ball in their hands, right? So they say, hey, this is what we have for you. This is what we'd like to do with you. But what what is it that you would like? moving forward, would you like to be able to move and carry, like walk alongside you and carry this burden with you? And oftentimes I have not had one family that says no to that. And so mm-hmm. once they do say yes, then the next step of course is to build those intentional and meaningful relationships with them. So that as we are walking alongside them, the care community, the team leaders who are actually um, responsible for making sure that everything is followed out, um, followed through with, we can serve authentically as we're moving forward because relationships is a really big piece of that, right? Because right. foster care, adopting that's really really great work but also really like traumatizing and difficult work as well so we're building those intentional meaningful relationships and we're being authentic in the process and as we are going through I think things work a little bit better and then of course you don't feel like necessarily you're getting I'm not not sure maybe you're getting a handout from someone but you actually have a friend that is with you along the way whether you're single or in a or married like you have your husband Mm -hmm. or your wife alongside you as you're working through that. Amen. Well, Nadia, even even though I know that that through Renovation Church, just even caring for one another is such a part of the DNA already 
of the church. And so having foster care and adopted ministry is almost a natural thing. But if there's someone mm-hmm. listening to this podcast that's saying, I really want my church to start more of an intentional ministry towards foster and adopted kids, and not even foster and adopted kids, but also refugee families and immigrant families and, mm-hmm. you know, to move into that space, what are some suggestions or practical ways that you would encourage others to, to start to start moving towards supporting families and foster families and, and others through your local church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say the first thing is to just, um, for those individuals who are seeking to um, work with whoever your leadership team, your pastors, whoever, um, to establish a ministry. And then as soon as you do establish a ministry of committed advocates, who would like to um, step in to support in the foster or Dr. Carol, maybe even step in as it relates to um, supporting and loving on refugees and immigrant families. Once you've organized them, it's important for you to go ahead and figure out who your community partners are. There are people out, outside of the church, of course, that are doing really, really great work. So determining what work is being done and trying to figure out if you can leverage a relationship with those communities. Um, community partners would be really awesome. So in our case, of course, Promise It Fakes is our community partner, in addition to many other community partners that we partner with. Um, and then, of course, once you get that partnership and you develop your relationship accordingly, you need to figure out what tools, what training they have available so that you can equip that ministry team to be able to do the work, the work that they want to do, be able to execute it with fidelity, make sure you're prayerfully considering what it is that God will have you to do. Because, I mean, we have plenty of plans, right? And we think that we just want to do the right thing and do X, Y, and Z, but making sure that we're seeking that um, advice um, along the way to make sure that we are actually um, walking in the order steps that he has for us. Um, Mm. If you were, of course, to partner with the Partner Safe Safe Sense, the thing that you need to figure out, of course, is like when is their advocate clinic? And that Mm. is going to be a full day training where you'll be able to get everything that you possibly need to be able to go back to your church and be able to get your ministry started like you need to. There's online portals and all that good stuff. And Promise Safe Safe Sense is unique, right? And what the, and the work that they do, and it may be different for whatever other community partners that you actually may find in your neighborhood, but it's super important to be able to figure out what's happening already. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Of course, as a teacher, I've learned that over the years. No need to, right? There's so many great things already happening. See what you can do to come alongside um, or get on board with something that's happening to be able to make sure you have a robust ministry to serve in the capacity that you need to serve. Well, Nadia, we thank you. Uh, we're just so grateful for the work that you're doing both in the classroom, but also through the local church and the way that Renovation Church and her people are serving uh, one another and serving the poor, the needy, the orphan, and the widow around Atlanta. Just, I mean, even, even as we close, what are some ways that our listeners can specifically be praying for you and this ministry at Renovation Church? Um, I would say for me personally, um, that I would get beyond myself. Oftentimes I feel like I am the answer to a lot of things and I just can't help them third oldest oldest of eight kids. I feel like I'm a grandparent <laughs> and a mother at the same time sometimes. And so just making sure that I'm allowing God to do what he does and not thinking that I am God in that. Right. Um, and so that would be great. And then of course just making sure that I'm balancing um just all of my responsibilities well um along the way and that I'm leading the team that I have working and walking alongside me well so that we can do the great work that he's called us to do would be awesome. Well, Nadia, thank you for your time and for being here. And certainly we'll be praying for you personally, as well as Renovation Church and the ministry that's going on there. 
the important work of wrapping around the body. And so also just if you want to learn more, like Nadia has said, Promise 686 is a great organization whose goal and mission is to wrap around local churches. And so it's literally promise686.org. They are based out of Metro Atlanta, but they help churches uh, certainly not only in Georgia, uh, but around the Southeast and around the country. And just a great resource to get your church engaged with wrapping around those families. So we thank you, Nadia, for being a part today of the Defender Podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.